thank you for joining our conversation on Wow Whispering. I am your host, Diane A. Curran, and it is delightful to be with you. Wow is spontaneous, open, expressive. Whispering is intimate, still, receptive. In our modern age, moments rush in or away like quicksilver. Do we even make the time to savor a wow or reflect on a whisper, to notice and value such gifts? We're ready to do just that with you right now. I am so pleased to be with everyone here today. Thank you for bringing your wonderful listening. I've got somebody really special for us to be with. And before I share a little bit about him and his background, may I invite today's guest, Joel Drasner, to say hello. Hello, everybody out there in radio and podcast land. It is so great to have Joel. We were introduced by a mutual friend, and boy, am I pleased about that. So let me share a little bit about Joel. He's got quite a wide-ranging background. He has a Master of Arts in Spiritual Psychology, and he is a resilience coach for individuals, businesses, students, K-12 teachers, and families with loved ones in treatment or recovery. He works with clients globally and has been a keynote speaker at various commerce and service organizations. He's also worked with incarcerated women, high schoolers, teachers, business leaders, military veterans, and even attorneys grappling with stress and anxiety. He's a former radio show host and is currently working with actors in Los Angeles on issues surrounding performance anxiety. Joel's also the curriculum director for the International Committee of Artists for Peace with programs that address bullying, dropping out, and drug use among K-12 students, as well as bringing out their potential and revealing their indestructible resilience. Oh my, that's a wow right there, Joel. I want to know, do you ever find time to sleep? Or are you just too busy contributing to life and being a participant? You know, if I did all of those in the same week, I probably would be feeling the uh, <laughs> physical uh, uh, hurdles that that would present. But this is, you know, over, over a period of time, they made up the bulk of my activity. It's, it's, it comes at a pace I can handle, so it's good. Well, what's great is that it sounds like you have created a life where you get to choose what you put into it and you choose a lot of very interesting things I might add and many of them are related some of them might seem to be in their own worlds to people but you know Joel and I had a wonderful conversation when we're kind of getting to know each other and I have something I'd like to jump right into given that wow whispering is about the heart of conversation and also high performance communication Now, high-performance communication can sound like a pretty wonky topic or something that feels like it's got to be high speed, it may be high pressure, but you know, high-performance communication, for those of you who've been with us for a little while as listeners, is something that can come about in many distinctive ways. And I oftentimes suggest to people that it's not simply about what you want to tell people, but for example... Athletes practice high-performance communication, whether they're on teams or they're working with their coach, and actors 
and people who perform on stage before the public are definitely practitioners of high performance communications. So Joel, I would love to chat with you about that. Are you ready to jump into a little bit of conversation about that? I am crouched at the uh, precipice and ready to leap. Oh, how perfect, how perfect. So high performance communication can feel like a bit of a leap sometimes. Many of us here in Los Angeles, even people who are not currently performing as professional actors uh, or musicians or speakers, have oftentimes had a background in communications or dabbled their toe and maybe jumped right into the deep end of the pool in the world of acting. And as you know, Joel, one of the things that actors get to do is they get to rehearse and they get to practice their lines and they get to think about what they're gonna say. And then they get up on stage and it's a completely different experience because you're no longer by yourself in your comfy little home or with a scene partner. So I'm intrigued with what you have been told by performers and actors about what could loosely be described as performance anxiety. Can you share a little bit about that with us? Sure, and, and <clears throat> thanks for asking that question because one of the projects that's really near and dear to my heart right now is I, I'm working with a partner and we were beta testing a program where we've been working with a group of about six actors for a 12-week program or about seven weeks into it. And on the very first night, we had them um, enumerate just the various types of hurdles that you were talking about. A big one is the fear that arises when they have to strut their stuff in front of gatekeepers like uh, casting directors or important, important quote unquote producers, or maybe they'll go to an audition and they'll have to read with a movie star that they have high admiration for. And suddenly they feel intimidated by it. So, so there's that aspect. It, it, to me, it's the same sort of hurdle to feel nervous on stage when you're performing in a show or, or in front of the camera. But all of the things that they listed were different variations of the idea that there's something out there in the world in the form of another person or a situation or an object not yet acquired or an object that needs to be resisted or defended against. And it's only a simple misunderstanding that perpetuates the idea that there's actually stuff out there that can affect their experience. Mm. So for the first six weeks, I've been working with the actors largely to understand how their experience of life works to begin with. And then the next six weeks will be spent acting from this deeper sense of freedom once, once they've gotten the understanding, which they have. By, by about the third or fourth week, after sharing what it is that I share with them, we, we look back at this whiteboard where we listed all, of, all those hurdles that they, they mentioned on the first night. And what they said was, wow, these don't look like the solid problems that, that they did on the first night we were here. And it looks like what we're learning now not only, not only is effective in the world of our careers, but it also seems to help in all the arenas of our lives. We're starting to see that. So what it is that I, I share with them, it's my current level of understanding that has had a profound and seemingly endlessly expansive effect on my own experience of life. And, and that's starting to approach what it is that, what is the wow 
Oh, yes. Can I share what you wrote? Because it was beautifully stated, because it may give them a little extra to now really focus on what you're going to share next. Here's what Joel shared. When I asked him to share a wow, he said, underlying and saturating all your experiences in life, no matter how challenging they may be on the surface, is an unbreakable piece made of unconditional love. Yes. And that's really become the guiding um, understanding of, of my life on a day-to-day, almost moment-to-moment basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, saying that, even as I say that, like anybody else, that's easily forgettable for a moment from time to time, and we get caught back up in the seeming of solid events of life. But the more that I've come to see that that's true, the quicker I recover from those times when I forget. But to, but to backtrack, so how, so how do we get there? One of the things that's helpful to see in life is that every moment of our life, our experience of life, and, and we could demonstrate this to ourselves if we investigate it. This, is, this isn't like a philosophical bumper sticker I'm trying to put out. The entirety of our life comes to us through perception, which is like mm-hmm. the, the images and sounds that we hear, through sensation, which is the experience that the body has of touch and vibration, what have you, and thoughts. In fact, if, if you look at any experience you're having, you would be hard-pressed to find anything that doesn't come to you via those three pathways. Nonetheless, we live our lives as if there is solid reality out there. There are objects and people who affect us independently of perception sensation and thought Mm. and therefore we this imagined separate being from them now needs to come up with strategies and uh, methods and procedures to navigate those objects and other people out there in the world and so there's an endless quest to manage that experience as a well-supported but actually illusory concept that when those things are handled we will be okay does this start when we're little kids? Does it start when we're babies? What, what, how does this yes, arise? Yes. We, we are conditioned from our earliest days to believe that because even, even if our parents loved us dearly, which in most cases they did, they didn't understand this. So they helped us early on get the erroneous assumption that's unproven by our experience that there's stuff out there in the world that needs to be done right or we're not going to be okay. There are, mm. there are places in society we have to get to. There are, there are things that are necessary to be followed and, and done right, and, and some luck may even need to be involved in it. And barring the correct navigation of those things, we will be less than we could be. So on and on and on, this is, this, this is conditioned into us, into a, a belief system that undergirds every decision we make in life. The partners we pick, the the associations we do, where we live, how we think of ourselves, on and on and on. And yet if we go directly into our own experience, we will find that life is not actually lived the way that we've been conditioned to think that it is. Well, that is extraordinary because it sounds like as you were describing it, I was thinking about the process that we have been told by people who have been close observers that little kids from, again, the earliest times, 
they are busy and their parents think this is this is really part of their job is to build what I'm going to describe as an identity. This is who I am and this is who I'm not. And that sounds like it gets tangled up in this perception or this misperception of what you were just describing and could be very hard to identify for folks who have it that this is who I am and that's who I'll always be and so therefore I can live and I can breathe and I can carry on and fight my good fight in the world. That sounds, that sounds a little dangerous. <laughs> well, what I'm talking about, and sometimes it's hard to enter the conversation um, in the beginning, mm -hmm. is something that is, um, let's, say all, all of what, let's say all of what you just described, whether people do it correctly or, or incorrectly, or everybody has their different version of that, and all of that is taking place, but kind of like behind the metaphorical curtain of that is something closer and more intimate to the, to the experience of life. Okay. That, that needs to be seen, and, and, and then once that's seen, all of the content, which we have just been talking about, will start to look different. What I could do, if you're, if you're willing to do it, I could do a brief like thought experiment with you. Oh, I love experiments. Let's do it. Okay, cool. So just take a moment, Diane, settle, and if you don't mind, uh, for a moment to close your eyes. They're closed. Okay. And then whatever thought you have, let it, let it arise. Definitely let it arise right now. And, and this thought, or actually any thought, for anything to arise, anything to appear, it has to appear within something. E even if it's a, a space that we would call nothing, that space is necessary for something to arise within in order for it to appear. So right now, whatever thought is there, it may, it may be a thought that you've come back to many times, but whatever it is, no matter how much energy that thought has right now, there was a time when it wasn't there. Okay. In fact, even throughout today so far, and it's only morning, I'm sure there have been other thoughts that you've had today, and now you have this one. And at some point, this one will disappear and another one will appear okay no doubt about that <laughs> and they're appearing within this vast really borderless dimensionless space and and when this thought that you have now and perhaps even since we've been doing this maybe maybe different thoughts have have appeared just appeared and then receded all of those thoughts are appearing and disappearing from within this space and yet the space within which they are appearing has never appeared or disappeared. So what is the nature of that which is always here when everything else that comes and goes, comes and goes? Is that a question for me? Yes. Ah. So, but, but you I'm not waiting, wanting a quick um, shoot from the hip answer. Like explore that for a moment. Allow yeah. yourself to, to um, really test you know what's the nature what's the quality what what actually is that space that every thought pleasant or unpleasant or neutral has, has appeared within okay okay so so tell me oh so the word that came to mind came to mind after an image of nothing and the word that came to mind is the word source which for me is a word that I have encountered before, I've contemplated before. It is 
It's a satisfying word to me, and it has almost no content to it. Or I don't, I can't, I couldn't describe the content other than to say something that would be perhaps inadequate to describe it, but I'm going to say the source of life. So that's what arose for me. Yeah, that's, that's really beautiful. And, and, and you're, I think you're absolutely correct that it's something that's very difficult to, to describe because it itself is not an object like the objects that appear within it. But it's, it's, it's the, another word for that might be um, conscious awareness. Sorry. And can I share that the thought when you first said, let's see what thought, you know, comes forward was very different than that. The thought that came that I certainly did not have any time previous to our conversation right now was this galloping horse arose out of nothing with, with uh, uh, an unfettered horse, a big white muscular horse with an ex extraordinary mane just came galloping toward me. And as this horse came galloping toward me and eventually slowed down, it just looked at me. And I thought, okay, hello and just let it be. So that's, that struck me, my experience of the energy of that horse galloping toward me, that thought was very right. different than the word I just used, source. Right, well, well that, that's, uh, that was very descriptive and, and, and intriguing. And, and I'd also say that if, if we were working together, I, I would quickly invite you to lose interest in the content of the thought, as cool as it was, and, and turn your attention back to that source that you were talking about within which the thought ar arises. And, what and I wanted to do is just share with our listeners because they, they were like, well, Cole, where'd you go and what was going on? And, you know, I, I'm so glad you said that, Joel, because the horse just slowed down and eventually it was just there and it wasn't even keeping my attention such that when you suggested something else, it was like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah, and and it's and it's this turning back to the source, this this vast, this dimensionless, boundless space, in which every thought arises and appears, and and realizing that who we are is the space itself, and not the individual thoughts that arise within it. That's the beginning of opening the door to not being affected by your experience out in the world in terms of performance anxiety or other hurdles, what have you. So it sounds like the actors you've been working with are, have found this really powerful as they, as they uh, gave you permission to, to guide them through something perhaps they hadn't experienced before, hadn't, hadn't, uh, been guided to before. Yeah, from pretty much from the opening few minutes of starting to do this, the the feeling in the room, whatever whatever nerves or anticipation might have been there, dropped into this peaceful space. Mm. And and then we've we've allowed ourselves to dip more and more into it in increments and, and explore it further. And it doesn't require any past. Um, um, familiarity with um, spirituality or any kind of path. People have done it to varying degrees or they haven't. 
everybody knows when they look in, in the direction that I, I was pointing you in that thought experiment, that yes, there is this something that is there behind all my experience that has never not been there. Even though everything that I've experienced, all my thoughts, all my, my feelings, my sensations, the images that I've seen with my sight, if I have sight, the sounds that I've heard, they, they've all come and gone. Even if they've lingered for a long time, there's, there's no state or impression that I've ever experienced that has always been there. But, but the capacity to know any of those states has never not been there. And so if I could touch that eternal, peaceful place that I know is behind all my experience, then the world out there and all the different arenas that I'm having challenges in start to look very different very quickly. Well, you shared a whisper when, before our conversation, and I'd like to share what you said. It just flows so naturally next. When Joel shared a whisper, he said, I am the knower of all my experience, not merely the content that is known. Yes. It, and that it, seems to just flow from, from what you were saying a moment ago. Yeah. Probably the wow and the whisper are two different ways of sort of saying the same thing. Oh, uh, that is music to my ears. <laughs> and it, it is something that I believe on your website, you talk about something that in the world of physics is known as the turning of chaos and implicate order. And what I mean by that is depending upon the viewer and depending upon the moment in the instant of existence, one either sees chaos or implicate order. And this is a this is something that physicists certainly grapple with in terms of getting to know and understand what existence is. And you've said it beautifully in terms of a wow and a whisper not being separate. But perhaps there is a, I don't know how to describe it. How would you describe that? Well, anytime you use a phrase that points to not being separate, I become very interested in that, that rings a bell for me because mm. ultimately what it is that I'm sharing and there are many, many different philosophies that, that will look at this. It, it's something called non-duality. Ah. You know, that, that the, the world is as compelling as the illusion is because of our sensory equipment that it looks like you're there and, and, and my TV screen over there is there and other people are here and whatever that actually all we are is this one shared being of this conscious awareness. And this is another one of the, for lack of a better word, ideas that we explore when we're working together is that no one yet has ever found an object, another person, a world out there separate from themselves. Mm. In the history of time, nobody has ever been able to have an encounter with something that didn't include them in the encounter of the thing they're encountering. Oh my gosh. And you know, it's so appropriate that you said that just when you said it. I'm, I'm a city girl. And so like many people, I live right next door to a, to a family that is that we share a common wall. And they have a little bambino who's about a year and a half old. And she has now reached the point where she's running, jumping, exercising her lungs. I can hear her on the other side of that wall doing her little morning energy burst. And she's kind of squealing and squeaking, not like she's upset, 
but there's noise happening there. And I realize, oh, so what Joel is saying is I'm not separate from the experience of her. We share that even though there is a wall between us and she has her family and I'm over here living a different life. There's something in that moment that you've alerted me to is a, for lack of a better phrase, we'll say shared connections, shared reality, shared infinite moment in time. That's kind of exciting and not to be seen as, oh gosh, I wish you were quieter or, oh, oh, I wonder if people can hear that on the recording. So I just accepted as, wow, good for her. She's growing, she's developing, she's having that moment. How great. That's the beginning of an adventure in life. Mm, very, very sweet. And, and, and to add on to that, there's endless depths to this path of inquiry. Okay. So in, in addition to the fact that, that you, you, you feel that wonderful connection with, with her, which is beautiful, you, you have that same, and, and, and words become difficult because words, the very function of language is to divide all of infinite experience into separate things so that we can communicate about them. Mm -hmm. So we have to use our words lightly if we're going to use them, which is all we have to, to um, explain this understanding. And how great for a podcaster to have this challenge, yes? <laughs> well, podcasters and, and any, any other human being that uses words. <laughs> yeah, any high-performance communication yes. challenge has got this included in it that you're describing right now. Yeah, so, so we're, we're wanting to use something that its very nature is to divide the world into things to express the fact that the world really isn't divided into things. That it isn't possible. The connection you feel which has, has a quality of loving appreciation for that little girl next door. That connection, you share that also with the lovely chair that's over your right shoulder and the bookcase and the wall and the place you're living in itself and Liberia and bookends and paper clips and uh, sushi, all of it, you, have no, you, you would have no experience with it outside of your experience. Mm -hmm. so, Outside of awareness, we can't find anything. We can't get outside of awareness? What, in other right. words, what is no, that? Nobody, nobody, yet, nobody yet has ever been able to go outside of awareness, find things, and bring them back and show them to us. <laughs> oh, yes. Even those time travelers haven't figured out how to do that. <laughs> time travelers, the physicists who, while they're still looking for answers to a world out there, mm -hmm. pretty much to a person, don't take into consideration the fact that there isn't a world out there apart from them. They get close to a little bit in quantum physics and yeah. the, the effect that the observer has on the thing observed, but they need, in my opinion, they need to fully embody the fact that that dynamic is going on at every moment of life amongst everybody and that there really aren't separate everybody's, that we are this one shared awareness itself modulating itself into all of these different objects, circumstances, ideas, thoughts, what have you. And we have these traditions of language that have, sounds like really reinforced this notion of duality while people are looking to perhaps mm, comprehend or at least perceive non-duality. So it's quite, quite, a, quite an undertaking. It's an undertaking, especially in the beginning. Like you said, the language supports non-duality and language working hand in hand, again, metaphorically speaking, working, working together with our sensory equipment, we are deeply ingrained 
in the illusion. And, and we live all of our lives as if, as if the assumptions based on that illusion were true. And we don't investigate it. And it's the source of all suffering in the world. Mm-hmm. On the idea that we are these separate entities that are encapsulated in this meat and bone suit with the current cluster of thoughts. And then there's a world out there that's filled with objects and circumstances and other people that need to continually be managed like the, like the guy in the old Ed Sullivan show with the plates on sticks and his ever, <laughs> ever, ever expanding array of, of plates that need to be kept and managed in order for, for order to be maintained. And the thing is, nobody has ever found an answer in a world out there. Nobody's ever found a world out there outside of awareness. So the, the purpose of what it is that I share, not with actors, but with all of those different people on, on the bio that you, you kindly read, was to get them to turn the direction of their attention to that source that you went to right away when we did our experiment. And mm-hmm. see that, that who they truly are is that boundless capacity for endless experience to the balance capacity to know endless experience but the knower of that experience is unscathed by any of the content of that experience that the knower is made of peace and unconditional loving and therefore everything that is known by the knower is made of that peace and unconditional loving even though it could take the forms on the surface of looking challenging and, and have all different emotions attached to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the, the knower of those challenging experiences is untouched, unbroken, undamaged by any of the content of those experiences. So the word knower, in some of my studies in life, I've come across a notion of not knowing and of the unknown. For some folks that I have encountered, the not knowing drives them crazy. It's like, I've got to know, I've got to know. Being in the space of not knowing and being available for whatever unknown or unexpected or unpredicted discovery might become available might be another side of the same coin again and going outside of this duality perspective. And I wonder your thoughts about being the knower And then maybe how for you with all, because you've clearly given a great deal of respect and interest and attention to really presencing this in a way that really empowers others. How would you factor in maybe this idea, if you will, of of not knowing, of the unknown? Does that come into the conversation? That's that's a really great question. And I want to preface all of it by saying these aren't just my own sitting on a mountaintop ideas. I've been well served <laughs> by following other teachers who've long been exploring this path. One of whom largely comes to mind is, is a current teacher named Rupert Spira. So that having been said, again, this, this is one of the difficulties of using language because the word no can have different connotations to it. We, mm-hmm. we can use no in the idea of like, oh, there's a set, there's a data set of um, facts and ideas out in the world that uh, we haven't yet become familiar with or acquainted with. So that we may then call as the unknown. But I'm talking about a different connotation though of the word knowing. Again, going back to our original thought experiment, Mm -hmm. there is something that has always been there closer than anything we've ever experienced, more intimate to us than, than the closest thing that could be, actually to the point where there's no separation from us. And, and that is this 
this knowing presence or this knowing awareness of all the thoughts, all the images, and all the sensations that we've encountered. With, without, without a capacity to know them, we wouldn't have sensations, we wouldn't have perceptions, we wouldn't have thoughts. And I'm talking about the knower. I'm, I'm talking about this, this ever-present, with, without a single break, awareness of what it is that we are experiencing. You know, everything else has changed. Our bodies have changed moment to moment continually. Um, every thought we've ever had has come and gone. Every, every, even you're looking at your screen right now, but you shift your eyes even a micron and you're getting a different picture. So, we're, so no, no pictures that you're seeing with your eyes are remaining the same. No sounds, you hear a sound now, but that sound is gone, replaced by the next sound. Um, all of your physical sensations, Nothing has ever been permanent, but what's always been permanent is the knowing of those sights, sounds, perceptions, ideas, and thoughts. So that's the knowing I'm referring to. You, you can always add more facts to, a, to your um, um, database, but the database itself is the content of what's known. It's not the knower itself. Yes. Well, on that note, and we've used the word no to mean many different things, <laughs> I would invite our listeners to take a short break with us. I'm going to be back with my guest, Joel Drasner, in just a moment to continue this fascinating conversation. We'll be right back. Thank you for being with us on Wow Whispering. In each episode, we present a public service announcement that highlights resources committed to uplifting our quality of life. Look for the episode show notes, which have links to learn more. And today we are pleased to feature edX.org. What does that mean? EDX.org. It's a place and a resource to advance your career and improve your life. edX provides top online college level courses ranging from free to fee. It's all about increasing access to high quality education for everyone everywhere. It enhances teaching and learning on campus and online, and it advances teaching and learning through research. Wide-ranging topics include what you would expect of any college-level curriculum, but it also includes such topics as food security, sustainability, business principles and entrepreneurial thought, even video game design, and oh yes, the ever-popular astrophysics. Founded by Harvard University and MIT in 2012, edX is an online learning destination and MOOC, what is that? That stands for Massive Open Online Course. It's a provider that offers high quality courses from the world's best universities and institutions to learners everywhere. With more than 130 global partners, they are proud to count the world's leading universities, nonprofits, and institutions as members. edX University members top the QS World University rankings with founders receiving the top honors and edX partner institutions ranking highly on the full list. The example and the roster of colleges and universities that participate is most impressive and it's very exciting to see them collaborating together. edX is a global learning community and its students come from every country in the world. 
They were founded by and continue to be governed by colleges and universities. They are the only leading MOOC provider that is both nonprofit and open source. And it's all via the freely available open edX the open source platform that powers edX courses. So very high tech. And here's how you find out more. Go to edX.org. That's edX.org. You can find them on social media under at edX online. And let's keep learning together. Thank you. We are delighted to be back. And I want to share a little bit about a guest who has, who has I'm sure, inspired all of our listeners to consider some really expansive ideas, some really expansive feelings, experiences, and I want to tell you how to be in touch with him. His name is Joel Drasner. I'm going to spell his name because it happens to be the name of his website. So Joel is spelled J-O-E-L, and Drasner is spelled D-R-A-Z-N-E-R. So if you go to joeldrasner.com, you're going to find out even more about an extraordinary man, somebody who's really got some ways of opening up conversation that I am certainly enjoying. And I know that our listeners are going to be profoundly impacted by as well. And I want to tell you a couple of things. If you tuned in a little bit later on, he is a resilience coach. Another way of saying that is an end of suffering coach. And boy, is that something that would be attractive to so many people. He's also a very generous man who's got something that you can check out. Go to his website. He is offering a complimentary conversation around whatever might be interrupting your peace. What a beautifully open-ended offer. And thank you for the generosity of that, Joel. And I want to also say that there are some other ways to reach Joel. Now, all of these will be in the show notes. It will be underneath the episode, wherever you may be listening to it or finding it. But I want to share that you can reach him on both Facebook and LinkedIn. Joel is really used to working with people in such different walks of life, from military veterans to incarcerated women to high schoolers and teachers. They have their own sets of high-performance needs. So many people who are dealing with this from a very practical, real-world, day-to-day aspect of life. And Joel brings something. I, I want to share with you something that he would love listeners to know about him. I think it says it beautifully. He says, I love to share a simple, universal truth about life. It's hiding in plain sight that once seen can help dissolve suffering permanently. Now that's something that I know people want. How great that you arrived at this space in life, Joel, where that's what you provide to people. It's where you spend your time. It's where you go to. It's where you discover and explore. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's been my own experience that to the degree that I see this clearly, that that's true. It is impossible to know who you truly are and suffer at the same time. Mm. So, because when you know yourself as the knower of your experience and not the content of it, then a, a happy byproduct of that is that you won't need the content to be different. And it's the needing of, needing of things to be different that is the exact measure of your suffering. I'm not saying you won't experience pains and all the different feelings that we tend to feel, but it's the need for any experience to be different than it is that is the exact 
definition of suffering. When you see who you truly are, the shared conscious awareness that we all are, within which all sensation, perception, and thought can arise, then we will naturally be okay with anything that arises within the content of that which we know. And, and it, it is then not possible to suffer in life. And that's been hiding in plain sight. I'm, may I give you an example of something that might speak to what you just said that I experienced very recently? Joel can see that I have a, a broken wing here. My, my arm got, got broken through a, an, uh, an, a ridiculous fall that happened. And when that happened, I was with a bunch of people, one of whom wanted to rush up and put a bag of ice on my shoulder. And I said, please don't do that because I've had coaching and training over the years in both Western and non-Western techniques where I wanted to experience what was occurring so I could be in touch with what was wanted and needed next. I didn't want to numb it and just take away the experience of the moment. And as it turns out, that worked out and I found that I was able to then work with the medics to get in a position that was safe to transport me. This idea of, as you said, pain doesn't even necessarily have to be suffering. It's just pain. It's just something that's happening right now. So you said that in a way, Joel, that really referenced something that I've had a recent experience of in maybe a non-traditional way. Yeah, I... I, I... I can resonate as you as you as you say with that experience itself. I, I also had a recent experience. And by the way, anybody who's listening to this, I am not suggesting that I'm teaching some sort of method for coping with physical pain, mm-hmm. nor, nor is this to be looked at as a tool to accomplish a certain purpose, because we're talking about the understanding of the complete experience of life itself. Mm-hmm. Not not trying to shape the infinite and um, eternal universe into a screwdriver that we would use to, <laughs> to fix things in the world, and and also also baked into the idea that I'm going to use this to get to a place where my experience is better than it is now, will 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 just exacerbate your suffering. Thank so, you for saying that. That's a really great right. kind of grounding reminder. So what, thank you. And, and what, what I'm trying to delicately say is that as, an, as a byproduct of understanding, whatever it is that, that is, is um, seeming to be the catalyst for our suffering will dissolve of its own accord. And, and it will do so merely from the understanding, not from I, I want to know this in order to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So, so that having been said, I, I recently too had a, a, an experience of a tremendous amount of pain. I, it was a new workout program that I stumbled onto that was really great. I was loving going once a week. It's this whole biohack dynamic that triggers um, bone density growth and all this lovely stuff. But I must have done something wrong on one of these resistance machines. And in uh-huh. a moment, there was a loud pop, so loud that people in the, in the gym turned around and looked at me, and from the inside, it, it sounded like a champagne bottle exploded inside with a tremendous amount of pain thereafter in my lower back. Oh. And, it was, and, it, and I was scared and what have you. I, I did some immediate treatment on it there, but it didn't quite go away. Um, the, the pain didn't prevent me from walking, which is great because a lot of my exercises 
just walking those 10,000 steps a day like many people do. Yeah. So, so later in the day that the injury occurred, um, I was taking a walk and, and I would have intermittent reminders of that pain. <laughs> it would, would make its present. <laughs> and it just occurred to me, like, what if I looked at this obvious physical sensation from the standpoint of what it is that I share with people? And, and so I looked at the pain. Uh, it's hard to put words to it, but, but sort of what I did was I, I tried to see the pain as mere physical sensation, divorced from the idea of what had happened, and just investigate into the sensation itself and allow myself to see it from the standpoint I am the knower of this pain and not the content of the pain. And right in that moment, there was a shift in and of itself in, in the, the figure-to-ground relationship, so to speak, where, where I knew that I could live with this sensation for the rest of my life and be totally okay. And, and with that feeling, the sensation itself diminished dramatically. Wow. That's a wow and, right there. Well, I, I mean, I was exploring it to see if that would possibly work. And I mean, there have been a few times in the past where I would get an acute pain in the moment from like a, a, a Charlie horse in the leg or, or whatever. And rather than try to resist it, I allowed myself to sit with the pain and get to the point where we'll, we'll divorce from my fear of this intense experience. It's just, it's just an experience of energy. It's an experience of an intense sensation. Sensations are perceived in the place where the knower perceives all of it. And then, and so then just sitting with it and not needing it to be different was like um, the kryptonite for the pain. It just, oh, the, the, wow. the, it's like the pain can't withstand the attention and acceptance of it. Just like the physicist who impacts the world that he is studying, maybe there's something similar to the impact that that light or that attention or that know, being the knower had on that, that sensation. It, it seems to be the case. Now, I'm, now I'm not at all a, a, a medical or physical healer. This is just my own experience. But I would yeah. say, using that same line of thinking, you know, apply that to a situation in the world that you think is hindering your higher performance in your job or, or areas of life that are important to you. Mm -hmm. And you can see how quickly those situations start to dissolve. You know, when, when you realize that your feeling of intimidation from a casting director, if you're an actor, this important person with a reputation, tease out the idea you have about the person and you're just experiencing physical sensation. And the physical sensation itself is just the content of what you know, but you as the knower are unscathed by the, by the sensation then you don't need the sensation to be different and you can just function and do what you need to do. And then life becomes a whole different ball game. It doesn't matter that um, Steven Spielberg or Martin Scorsese are there at the audition with you because they're not causing your in intimidation of it. You're just experiencing some energy that you have then attached an idea to it that made it mean something. Mm, they are not controlling your, your high performance communication. They are, they are Nothing there in the room. world ever has been ever. <clears throat> How great is that? 
Joel, I could talk to you for hours. We have really opened a beautiful conversation. I want to invite listeners to contemplate it, consider it, be in touch with Joel, check out his website. And I want to thank you for sharing in such a gentle and calm and inspiring way what you have not only discovered and studied and devoted your attention and efforts and awareness to, but you've shared it with other people such that they can make it their own as well. So thank you, Joel, for being here with us today. Diane, thanks so much. On that note, I want to invite everybody to have a magnificent day, a magnificent evening, a magnificent night, whatever time of day or night it is in your part of the world. And thank you for being here on the planet with us. Thank you. What a pleasure to be with you in the world of wow whispering. As we complete this episode, I invite you to notice the wows and whispers that enliven or challenge as they fulfill life for you in both tiny moments and transforming experiences. I wish you the very best until we meet next time.